We welcome you this morning to our service and to the podcast. This morning, I would like to minister on take courage, God isn't finished yet. Isn't that an awesome word? Take courage, God isn't finished yet. Reading from Philippians 1 and 6, and then Revelation 1 and 8, and then I'm going to focus on two books in the Old Testament. For I am confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work, someone say good work, and you will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. The Message Bible says it like this. There has never been the slightest doubt in my mind that the God who started this great work in you, say great work, will keep it and bring it to a flourishing. Someone say flourishing. Finish and flourishing in, in that passage means growing vigorously, thriving, and prosperous. And then he who does the work, Revelation 1 and 8, Jesus says, I am the Alpha. Someone say the Alpha and the Omega which means I am the beginning and the end, says the Lord. I am the God who was, who is, and who is still yet to come, the Almighty One. Can you say amen? This morning, take courage. God isn't finished yet. Let me pray over you. Father, we thank you for your presence in this room by your Holy Spirit. We welcome you, sir, to speak into our hearts and minds. Come and bring forth this word exactly the way you want it to do. Let no one leave here unless they leave changed, Lord. Come, Holy Spirit, and breathe upon us that the latter shall be greater than the former, that he who starts a good work will finish it. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. He is the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, and the beginning and the end. He is the keeper of all creation. Are you happy about that? He is the creator of all. He is the architect of the universe and the ruler of all times. He always was. He always is. He is unmovable. You cannot change him. You cannot defeat him and you cannot outdo him. Amen. Give him a hand clap of praise. Come on. Look at your neighbor and say, shake off that Sunday morning. Come on. He finishes what he starts. He doesn't alpha which means he doesn't begin what he can't omega, which means he always completes what he starts. He will never leave a situation almost done. Aren't you thankful for that this morning? He's the one who begins great things and he ends them. And in the passages I'm going to refer to this morning, Haggai and Zechariah, you don't have to turn there, but there's some people of God who are wondering, will God finish what he started? Has anybody but me ever wondered that? Will God finish what he started in my life? Will God finish what he started in my calling? Will God finish what he started in my family? Can I get an amen? But these people had to move a lot of obstacles. So here's your little trivia. Which took the longest to complete? A, the carving of Mount Rushmore. B, or two, the digging of the Panama Canal. Or three, carving and assembling the Statue of Liberty. Anybody want to guess? I think you're all wrong. <laughs> it's the Panama Canal. It took 31 years to do that. It was a superhuman task. 
They stopped and started several times because of floods, mudslides, unexpected cost. In 1914, it cost America alone $375 million. Someone say, oh my. And before the Panama Canal, how's this going to fit in? Hang with me. You know, I'm painting a picture. If you wanted to go from New York City to San Francisco, you had to travel 13,000 miles around the treacherous Cape Horn. But what they did when they built the Panama Canal, they eliminated 8,000 miles to connect the Atlanta to the Pacific. Isn't that awesome? They believed that it was worth finishing. But listen. Horrific death toll. 20,000 French workers. 6,000 Americans died. The moral of that story is expect time to pass when you're trying to connect the Atlantic to the Pacific. Amen? But today, we are not attempting to move mounds of dirt to make the Panama Canal. But what we're trying to connect is you to your destiny, is you to your purpose, to this church, to its destiny. Can I get an amen? Acts 13 and 36 says that David fulfilled the purposes of God in his generation. And I'm here to say to you, God wants you to know he cares about your life. He cares about your job. He cares about what you're doing. He wants to connect you to your purposes. Can you say amen? So the time period was about 505 B.C. before Christ came. And the people of God were attempting to move some great obstacles. Cyrus had sent them back into Jerusalem. They had been in captivity in Babylon and Persia. They came back to rebuild the city. But there was a lot of rubble. Everyone say rubble. A lot of mud. Everyone say mud. There was ruins and there was stones. The task was overwhelming. And they wondered, will he finish what he started. The cost was prohibitive. The workers were discouraged and the enemies were fierce and they wondered, will he finish what he started? There was a community just like Church of the Harvest. So this is a letter to Church of the Harvest. There was a community of people and there was four main players, a priest, a governor, and two prophets. And they walked into a bar. Okay, if you don't know that joke, come away. It's a crazy joke. But when they started the work, they were so excited. You know, starting is so fun, isn't it? It's exhilarating to start something. I mean, my friends that own gyms, gyms they always say, wait for January. It's going to get crazy around here. Because in January, hopes are high. This is the time. It's like when the calendar turns to January 1st, I am going to get in shape. Can I get an amen? I am not going to eat anything crazy in the name of Jesus. Amen. You have all hopes high. As I heard one Washington Commander fan, formerly known as the Redskins, just roll your eyes on that one. But I've heard one fan say, when the season started with the Washington Commanders, I was so excited. But now my my hopes are dismayed and they were really dismayed when the Dallas Cowboys kicked their backside come on somebody but it's exhilarating to start look at your neighbor and say it's fun to start think back when you were in school first day of school your pencils were sharpened you had the blessed trapper keeper you remember that 
Oh, just like, this is the holy shroud of Turin. This, this little trapper keeper. And I will keep everything organized. When I go into class, I will be there early. Can I get an amen? I will listen in every lecture. I will be the most attentive student. I will take notes. I will keep everything organized. You woke up at five and woke your parents up on the first day. But then time passed. Can I get an amen? And then it went on. And by the middle of the semester, you're like, I don't know where my pencils are. I don't want to go to school. I don't, it's nine o'clock. I don't want to be there. Starting is fun. Look at your neighbor and say, starting is fun. And often it's the same way with us. We feel so hopeful with the new. But we have so much mud to move. And they had so much mud to move. Our mud is different than what they had to move. Zerubbabel and Joshua, the priest and the governor and the two prophets, Haggai and Zechariah, had to move so much mud to rebuild the very city that God loved. But the mud that you and I have to move in the times that we're wondering, will he finish what he started, is the mud of discontent. The mud of our weaknesses, the mud of obstacles, the mud of delay, the mud of this is not what I thought this would look like in my life. Can I get an amen? This is not what I ordered. I thought this would look differently than it looks. And that's a mud we find ourselves. And in that season, the people of God were weary. Their efforts seemed futile. They were insurmountable odds and they didn't know what to do. And they questioned, God, you sent us here to do this work. You sent us to connect people to you. You sent us to build a context in which people could know you by your love and your kindness and your glory. But here we are stuck in the middle. It was super big fun when we started, but right now it seems too tough to do. They were called to bring people out of the ash heap and build a church. We are called to bring whosoevers out of the ash heap to see them raised up to move whatever mud we've got to move that we can introduce him to God but we need to know today he will finish what he started someone give him a praise this morning and he says I will I'm not going to rehearse the starting of this church don't have time for maybe another day but he started it and he holds it in his hand and he holds the next step this week I will go into final negotiations over our next building pray for me that the Lord's will would be accomplished it doesn't matter where we are what it matters is we are called by Christ we are his hands and feet and we're going to raise people up out of the ash heap can you say amen amen but they begin to see and we see in this story the character of very God of our God his kindness his mercy his grace, his power, and his power is wonderful. But if he didn't have the grace and the mercy, we might not feel so safe with him. And his kindness and graciousness is so wonderful, and that's beautiful. But if he wasn't full of power, we might not be able to take his kindness. I want to tell you something this morning. Sometimes you're tempted. You're telling somebody about a move, and you go, well, I don't want to oversell it. Anybody with me? I don't want to build it up too much. You may not like it. It's a new show you like, a new restaurant, a vacation destination and you're worried about building it up too much because you don't want to oversell it because they might not see it the way you see it I'm going to tell you this morning he who finishes what he starts you can never oversell God you can never oversell him to anybody you can oversell number four on a wish list you can oversell a theory but you will never oversell the God 
God who is gracious and powerful and merciful and mighty. Someone give him a hand clap of praise this morning. You will not. And the interesting thing about this story of in teaching us how God will finish what he starts is that we don't know what the people are thinking, the main players, the heroes. We don't know what they're thinking until God begins to speak to them. And you will watch this in a moment. We would not have known in the Bible that Joshua felt inadequate in the book of Joshua, except the Lord said to him, be strong and be courageous, Joshua. As I was with Moses, so am I with you. Every place you're you put your feet I will be with you aren't you glad for a God who tells you to be strong and courageous when you feel inadequate can you say amen we wouldn't have known people were fearful except constantly God says don't be afraid we wouldn't have known that Paul was fearing death on the ship to Malta except the angel of the Lord said Paul no one will die on this ship and Paul told those on the ship the Lord who I serve he is who I've put my hope in I know in whom I have believed and he is faithful and I say to you this morning he's faithful to finish what he has started in your life can you say amen and God gives these people long term vision which he will do for you of what is to come because the work had shut down it had been exhilarating to rebuild and it's exhilarating when you start something new in a context for God to do something. Here's what the Lord said, and I feel like he's saying this to some people in this room. Everything was going along great in your life, and then something happened. And God didn't want it to happen, but it did. Maybe it's a detour. Maybe it was a disappointment, and it happened. And all of a sudden, you feel like, I was going along this way, and then this cut me off. And now, if it were, I feel like I'm almost at the bottom. That's where Zerubbabel, and that's where Joshua felt that they were. They were at the bottom. But the Lord said to them, and the Lord says to you today, you will finish greater than you began. The latter will be greater than the former. And you have to believe, despite everything that has come and gone in your life, in your family in your business in your ministry that he who starts it will finish it can you say amen and Zerubbabel had to pass by all this unfinished business every day for 16 years I wonder this morning what you have to pass by that's unfinished in your life I wonder what glares at you the promise unfinished I wonder what stares at you the dream unfinished and unfulfilled. And what's so important to know is we know by what God says to Zerubbabel in a moment that he's just about ready to quit. It reminds me of Florence Chadwick who was gonna break the world record in 1952 by swimming the English Channel. But after she got in the waters and she had swam for so long and it was so foggy and she was so disappointed and so devastated, she just said, I'm done. And the boat came and picked her up. When the boat picked her up and they cleared the fog she was a half mile from the shore a half mile from breaking the record but she couldn't see it because she was too disappointed this morning brothers and sisters I encourage you don't let the fog of this world remind you that you are far away you are closer than you think you are closer to the other side you are closer to the dream being fulfilled go ahead and give him praise you are closer to God finishing what he started. Can you say amen? But we can't see the shore in the midst of the fog. 
They were facing insurmountable odds. They couldn't think how they could get across them to the other side. What's so interesting is this is their God who had already crossed the Red Sea, crossed the wilderness. He had crossed Jericho. He had crossed Jordan. But in that moment, everyone say that moment. That moment we lose our memory. Can I get an amen? In that moment we lose our memory. In that moment, we forget what God has done. There's three incredible words in the Bible that maybe you know, maybe you don't. One is Ebenezer. I've preached a sermon on that. Can't do that today. Ebenezer means I look back and I see how God has helped me. And I remember. Emmanuel means I look around and I see that God is still with me. But Maranatha, you think, oh yeah, that's calling for the rapture. No, it's not. Maranatha is an invocation to God to come and help. So as I Ebenezer and I remember, as Zerubbabel remembered, God has brought us this far. He will finish what he started after he said, Emmanuel, God will be with us, which is a prophecy of Jesus. And then Maranatha, remember, there's always a moment to cry out and say God come save me I need to know that you are going to finish in me and the people I love what you started can you give him a hand clap of praise this morning hallelujah Isaiah 12 says see our God has come to save us we will trust and not be afraid for the Lord is our strength and God attempts to jumpstart Zerubbabel. What he reminds Zerubbabel is what he reminds you. You being saved is God's idea. It was not yours. You knowing him as father and knowing Jesus, Lord, it was his idea. It wasn't yours. He wants to remind you, this was my idea. He wants to remind Zerubbabel what I've called you to do. It's my idea. And he says those famous words I've preached many times. Who are you, says the Lord, O great mountain? You see, we know what Zerubbabel was thinking by what God was saying. What God is saying, I'm not even calling this a mohill. This unfinished thing in your life, this answer you don't have right now, this remedy you don't possess right now, that job you've not walked in yet, that calling you've not received yet, I know it's not just a mohill to you. I know it's a mountain but I'm going to speak to that mountain for you and say, who are you before Zerubbabel? You will be made plain. This morning, the Lord says, who are you before Misty? Who are you before Donna? Who are you before Joshua? Who are you before Michael? Who are you? The Lord speaks to that thing that's in front of you and says, you're going to have to move because I am God and I finish what I start. Come on, somebody. And I finish what I start. You need to put your name in there. And I love that God speaks to that mountain. Michelle, I love it because it lets me know that Zerubbabel did see it as a mountain. God doesn't argue with him because God won't argue with you when you say, this is breaking me, God. This is crushing me. I don't know how to get through this, God. God doesn't say it's no little thing. He calls it by what it is because of the power he possesses. But what he was actually saying to Zerubbabel, and he's saying to you this morning, you need to guard your purpose and your value in the middle. You guarded it when you began, and you'll guard it when you finish. But in the middle, you need to guard that you are called Church of the Harvest and anointed for such a time as this. Come on and give him praise. It's true. 
You are called. In fact, everyone in this room, God chose the day of your birth that you would live, Peggy, in 2023 as the world seems to be rocking and reeling out of control. God called you to live in this time period. He thought you were his best choice to live on this earth and to preach the gospel of Jesus and to be Jesus with skin on. You've got to say to yourself, his grace on my life is the difference between what I can't do and what I can do. Can I get an amen? It's the difference between what is natural and what is supernatural. I've never met anyone that was honest and true that did not struggle with feeling I am not qualified enough. I am not well able. In fact, I think it's a mark of humility. I think it's a mark of a person that God can use when you say, I'm really not up to this. But if you'll get in the way, I'll get out of the way and I know you and I can do some mighty things. Can you give him praise? And when you don't feel qualified, you remember what I love, one of my husband's favorite statements. The ark was built by an amateur who had faith in God. The Titanic was built by experts. Which one do you want to take a cruise on? You choose. God says to these very people, Zerubbabel is a governor. Joshua, we'll get to him in a moment, is a priest. He says through the prophet Haggai in 2 and 4, but now take courage and work. Look at your neighbor and say, take courage. That means courage is yours for the taking. God doesn't say to take something unless you are not authorized legally to take it. When you feel intimidated, when you feel overpowered, when you feel not enough, God says, take the courage he proved that he was going to see this project to completion. He doesn't tell you that he's going to begin something and not finish it. He is a wise builder and an expert craftsman. Jesus is the Alpha and the Omega. And he finishes what he starts. Come on, somebody. He finishes what he starts. He said, encourage yourself with the words of Haggai. Work for I am with you, for I will fulfill my promises in you. The Panama Canal, they kept moving mud for 31 years and people died. There's no one going to die here, but what is going to die is your pride. What is going to die is your self-sufficiency. What is going to die is your haughtiness, and mine too, okay? What is going to die is self-serving. What is going to die is me, 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 me. But what is going to live is him, 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 him. What is going to live is however I can serve him in this day. I'm willing, finish through me what you started. I don't care what they call me. I don't care what they don't call me. All I know, I want to be a Heart. Give him a hand clap of praise. Take courage. Look at your neighbor again and say it. Take courage. Thank you for hanging with me this pastoral sermon that I'm loving. I love pastoral sermons, but at any rate, embrace the promise. When you embrace someone, you hold them tight. I remember they were teaching us how to take Courtney home, and she was a baby with a heart defect, and they spent hours teaching us at that time. People were not that up on baby car seats, but they just said, you don't understand that parental instinct is so tight that if a baby's not in the car seat and you're holding them, you get into a wreck, parents have killed their children because they're embracing them, trying to protect them. Why am I telling you that? You need to embrace the promises of God just that tight. You need to embrace everything he has spoken on you, and then you need to take the action of faith that make literal what God made legal. 
hang with me, to make literal what God made legal. You see, there's an intersection between, what he was saying to Zerubbabel and Joshua, there's an intersection between God's sovereignty, which means he just does stuff for you, and human responsibility. I love what Dr. Jake says, TD, God doesn't make tables, he makes wood. Stop asking God to do your part. He's done his part, now you do your part. You do. You look at your neighbor and say, I didn't want to hear that this morning. I want the sovereign. God just does it all. I lay around, watch Netflix, eat bonbons, and woohoo, you know, like fairy godmothers run around my head. Look at your neighbor and say, He finishes what He starts. It's like this make legal what literal. So someone tells their child, I will pay your way through Yale. It'll be almost $500,000, $600,000 for four years. I've put it away, it's legal, it's done. But if that child, if that student never goes to class, never opens a book, never does any of that, then the legal promise is made not. It's zero, they're not going to educate because they're not gonna be educated because they didn't take literal. He says, take courage and work. Now look at your neighbor and say, take courage and work. Work, whatever season we're in, we balance grace with work. Can I get an amen? Shout grace at the mountain and then work. As we say about prayer, pray um, like it depends on God and pray and then work like it depends on you. He says, I will be with you. Whatever season we're in while we're waiting God to finish, we will be anointed with strength and courage. Strength in a way we don't even recognize ourselves. Amen. Have you ever had an anointing of strength? You don't even know who you are. You know, who's that? <laughs> that was God in you. Look at your neighbor and say, that was God in you. I didn't even know I could be that strong. I don't even recognize this strength, you might say. Courageous enough that you say, I know I'm not that brave, but God made me brave. You see the X factor? We got it. It is the power of the Holy Spirit. It is his anointing in our life, his courage in our life, his strength in our life. And I don't know about you, but I said to him this morning, I need a new anointing of strength and courage and wisdom and direction. Anybody with me in the house? Anybody with me in the house? He is strength like no others. But here's the deal. Here's the deal. This is what was going on. It was like two different mindsets. They were rebuilding this. Joshua the priest, the rubble of the governor, the two prophets, Haggai and Zechariah. Just keep repeating because I know you don't know this like I do because I've studied it. What I'm saying is, so I'll just make it clear to you. But the problem was is they're rebuilding it. Don't miss this, Harvest. Don't miss this. They were attempting great things for God. But the older people, when they saw what they were building, they just began to cry. They began to mourn. It doesn't look like it used to look. We can't handle it. You've rebuilt Solomon's temple. It reminds me of my grandmother when they brought drums into North Cleveland. I was seven. She said, I can't go in that church. I can't do it. They had to send the, the, she was an ordained minister. They had to send the Christian educationer, Benny Pittman, to come have a personal conversation with her to convince her that drums were not of the devil. Come on. Said, I just can't go in there with those drums. My mother goes, mother, really? She got past it. Say glory to God. But the older mindset is, this is not what we thought it would look like. Isn't that true, though, in every part of our life? So we cry over what we thought this would look like. We mourn over what we thought it would be. 
You see, what they should have seen is that their very work was a turning point, that God was working. And the other mindset were the young people. The young people were rejoicing. They were thanking God. They were praising God that now they would have a place to worship that they had never had. You see, if we are building a context. We don't know what the next day at Harvest will look like. We don't even know what revival will look like. It may look different than what you think. It will be souls, I know that. But what we've got to do in our life, in our ministries, in our church is not compare anything to what we think something would look like and get out of God's way and say, do it your way. Whatever place I feel, whatever position you have for me, whatever I can bring, Lord, I want to see your glory. I want to see souls saved. I want to see the flow of the Holy Spirit. I want to see a revival of prodigals. Someone give Jesus a shout of praise. I will tell you this, the hurting, they don't care about your church building. Amen. The addict, the one in the closet holding syringe. One of my friends wrote this. I loved it so much. Ravaged skin from desperately chasing false hope and thrashing within themselves against temptation. They don't care about your movie night. The local Rahab, the one gathering her clothing that she took off in the last minute with empty tears, smeared mascara across a face that once had joy. They don't care about our personal ministry agendas. The one ending it all, grasping for hope, but finding bullets. The one with the mouth speaking death that used to speak the glory of God, but they got lost and they got hurt and they're in pain and they're indifferent. They don't care how many this church runs. They need the Holy Spirit. They need chains to break. They need altar intercessors who are not afraid to mess up their makeup. They need weekday warriors that will work beyond Sunday, unafraid to reach into the depth of darkness. Can I get an amen? They need those that will say, silver and gold have I none, but such that I have I give to you. In the name of Jesus be healed. They need men who will roll up their expensive suit and roll their sleeves and show them the healed scars that resemble their own, despite what others think. They need the woman who will strip herself of her pride, toss what her friends think, and crawl into the crevices of poverty to whisper her testimony to the one in the place she used to be. They need the anointing that breaks the yoke. They need Jesus. They need us. Go ahead and give him praise this morning. It's time to move past the cleaning up of our testimony and polishing our shelf-ridden purpose. It's time to say, you are welcome here regardless. You are loved here regardless. Whosoever you are, wherefore out you have been, wherever you have gone, we don't care. The world is looking for a church like this church that will say, we are the whosoever church. And whosoever you are welcome here someone give him a shout of praise come on somebody give him a shout of praise and ne next building we camp out is beautiful but it's not the last building we're gonna camp out as far as I know I know it's gonna be great wherever it is but I'm telling you my my hurting people are just looking for real the reason people have flocked into this church regardless of what was going on up there or down here is because real people were sitting in the seats real people that took off their mask real people that took off their facades my hope is never in a building it is never in a place it is never in a property my hope is in Jesus who healed me and delivered me and saved me and until I speak his name to as many people as I can I'm gonna keep on regardless if I'm in a hut across the street or I'm in some beautiful building it doesn't matter where we are what matters is this hope that we have that can turn the world upside down that can bring sinners up out of the pit that can bring the prodigals out of the mud somebody give Jesus a shout of praise in this house
Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Some, someone say, be it so, Lord. One of you guys come help me. I've, I've got still 15 minutes. But somebody, I mean someone that can play, okay? <laughs> okay, I'm coming. I can play. We will rock you in the key of C. <laughs> hey, I'll work it into my message. You bring it. I don't know if you've ever had moments that you were in the middle and God started something and you wondered what he finished. And I remember in 1983, Pastor Jervie, attending Lee University, God said to me, I want to do the impossible in your life. Man, that's exhilarating. That's exciting. I wanted it, Renee. See, I want to do the impossible. And it was such a beautiful sight of God, of his graciousness and his kindness. I didn't know what the end result would be, but he just loved me. I always hear people say, let's slam our fist down on the sinner. Sinners in the hands of an angry God, and we're going to be angry with you too. That's not how God reached me. Anybody with me? In fact, the Bible says it is the goodness of God that calls us to repentance. God has his standard. We're not getting past that. But God kept revealing his mercy and his kindness and his graciousness to me. And he said, I want you to, after, he said, I want to, do you trust me? I said, absolutely, Father. 1983, in December. And the Lord then said, would you obey me? And God started shutting doors. He just kept shutting doors. None of this is an option for you, daughter. I want your peace to be like a river and your righteousness like the waves of the sea. So I'm going to shut these doors. My heart broke and I cried literally hundreds of tears. And he began to work inside of me like tilling, like moving the mud in my heart, just like they were moving mud in Jerusalem, like they were moving mud in Panama, just like we're moving mud out of our life and out of the lives of those he's trying to redeem. It hurt so bad on the inside. I remember driving down in front of Lee, going to my little house at 740, looking at other people, just think, I wish I could be them because God was so inside of me. I mean, he loved me into it. He wooed me into it like he wooed Gomer away from her lovers in the book of Hosea. And he wooed me, and he loved me, and he loved me, and then he loved me some more. Then he said, I want you to obey me. Then he began to till inside of my heart like soil is what he said. And he began to dig. There was no one but me and Holy Spirit. For three weeks, I had a friend who occasionally would drop in pray, but I found him to be the best counselor. I believe in counseling. I believe in therapists. But I found him to be a counselor like no other. Can I get an amen? And he began to heal the bitterness, the brokenness, the trauma, the low self-esteem. But there came a moment, it was powerful, it was glorious, but there came a moment in January of 1984, my friend and I were just reliving this recently, Melissa, sitting in that 740 walk with one, one heater in the room off of Lee, just a little bitty house that was infested with mice. It was such a party. But... And uh, I was sitting there and I just, the dam broke. And I just started wailing. And I said, God has done all of this, but I'm so tired. He's done all this work inside of me and he's healed me, but I don't know what he wants next. And I can't go on. I don't know what the next step is. I don't know. And as I just began to cry out, Perry Kite, Melissa's husband, who's in heaven now, the Spirit of the Lord moved upon him in that little house with one heater with mice running to and fro and a cat trying to chase him. It was brilliant. You know, when God wants to heal you, he don't care if you got mice. Come on, somebody. 
And Perry had a word from the Lord. This is for so many in this room. Oh, feel you, sir. He said, at a time you think not, says the Lord, I will make my will known to you. So I, <laughs> then I took a nap. Then the next night, the Lord indeed did that. That's a story that you know for another day. He completed what he started, but I was so close to giving up. I couldn't go on anymore. I didn't know in 24 more hours my life would be changed. I want to present to you today because I feel like the Spirit of the Lord is saying to some people in this room, you might feel today, you might feel that you can't go on. You might feel that the end is not in sight when you're just a half mile from the shore. You might feel, and the Lord said to me this morning, I said at my desk early, tell my people this, at a time that they don't expect, I, the Lord, will reveal my will to them. At a time that they don't expect, I will fulfill that dream. At a time that they didn't see coming, I will do what they've been praying for. At a time they didn't even put on their calendar, I, the Lord, will come through. I will finish what I started, says the Lord. Can you give him praise for that this morning? Can you give him praise for that this morning? Can you give him praise? I want to say this to you. If I had given up, I would not be in this room with you. Because of the outcome of that work, there's a church here today by Hakerod. If I had given up, this would not be a whosoever church, or at least I would not be here. I wouldn't know you or love you. The work that the Lord is doing in your life, you don't know what's on the other side. You don't know what he's bringing through you and for you. You can't see it. You can't know. But it is glorious. That promise is unfinished. He starts it and he finishes it. That dream unfilled, he starts it and he finishes it. That calling you don't understand, he starts it and he finishes. Pieces of your life that you don't feel like they'll ever fit together, he starts it and he finishes it. He will not abandon you in the midst. He gives you grace to conquer the weak, grace to heal your mind, grace to restore your family, grace to pick you up and put you back on your feet, grace to make the latter of your life greater than the former. And that's a promise from the Lord himself. Can you give him praise this morning? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. For I am the Lord and I do not lie. What I have begun, I will finish. You see the mountain, but I see the other side. You see the obstacle, but I know the glory that will be revealed. You see that which has been, but I see that which is to come. Do not fear that I will forget you, says the Lord. I cannot. Do not fear that I will not fulfill that which I have promised you because I will fulfill it, says the Lord. I am the Lord your God who you have trusted. I 
am for you and not against you and my work will be completed in you and I have no children that are of less value to me you are valuable says the Lord you are seen and you are known trust in me says the Lord because I will finish what I started says the most high God can you lift a hand and give him worship right here can you give him worship right here thank you Jesus thank you Jesus thank you Jesus Jesus. Mm. Look up. Well, me and the Lord are arguing right now because there's a whole other part of this message. Probably the best part, maybe not. But I'll save it. If you feel like you need God to finish something He started in you, stand right where you are. 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 Thank you, Jesus. 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 There's a song that says, There will be glory after this. Joy comes. Glory comes. Hallelujah. After this. After this. After right where you are, glory comes. You're standing near someone, just put your hand on their shoulder as we pray over each other today that God will finish what he started. That God will finish. Thank you, Jesus, for letting me be brave to stop here. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Thank you. Father, in the name of Jesus, I'm praying for this person that my hand's on their shoulder. Only you know what's on the other side of what you're doing in their life and what the glory is going to look like. Only you know what will be finished in their life, Lord. Only you know what can be accomplished in their life, Lord. But in the middle, it's frustrating. In the middle, we're weary and tired because we can't see the shore. We can't see. And all sometimes we see is the glory of yesterday or how you used us yesterday. And sometimes we lose our hope of what you're going to do in the future. But Lord, this hand that I'm touching, you stop this service to encourage them. Whether it's a work in their life or a work in someone's life they're praying for, you will not forget them. You will not overlook them. You will finish. You are the Alpha and you are the Omega and you will finish what you started. Lord, we focus on He, you, King Jesus, you, King Jesus. We hold on to you, not a theory, not a plan, not a method, not a place, but we hold on to you, Jesus, to you, Jesus, to you, Jesus. If the team would join me, I want us to worship in these moments. If the team would join me on the stage, maybe goodness of God, something we can sing. Amen. 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 While you're looking at me, you just saw a novel thing. I rarely stop. But he was arguing. I was arguing with him before Donna interrupted. And I knew he was going to win. And when Donna interrupted, I said, okay, you won. You won. This next part I'll do next week. Is that okay? We'll build it up for next week. It had the ending that I love. But this is the ending he wanted. He has not forgotten you. He said, what he starts, he will finish. He's not going to overlook us, our situations. When I was praying, Brother Dale, I kept 
just hearing because I wanted to take that part out of my testimony. I wanted to take that part out, but that's the part I knew was the richest. But he kept saying, someone needs to hear that because they can't see the glory on the other side of the process. All they see is the mountains, the rubble that has to be moved, the mud. And they can't see. I couldn't see what my obedience. I wouldn't have Courtney and Christine if I would not been obedient. Because it ended with the reconciliation of my marriage and, and thrust us into ministry. You can't see what's on the other side. But he sees it. Don't get out of the boat. You're close to the shore. Don't get out. Let him finish. He's not forgotten you. You are called and precious and honorable. Every single one of you. There's a place for all of us together. Would you just come and join me in the altars? We're going to sing the goodness of God. Just Let's just worship together. And as you worship him, thank him that he's going to finish what he started. Thank you. Come on, sing it out and just worship him in these closing moments.